Welcome to Path to Glory, a Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This is Jonathan, and I am by, I'm without my normal host today. I'm on. Um, for some reference, this episode was recorded on April 16th. Um, the current game state is we have the Man Trappers and the uh, Nurgle Warbands, but we haven't had anything new, and there hasn't been an FAQ um out yet, um, mostly due to the GW shutdown. So um, we are just kind of hanging out, and that is uh, one of the reasons that we took this opportunity to uh, start our Warband series. And um, this episode is going to be about Steelheart's Champions, and I am joined by a guest today, Michael Carlin. Hi, hey, Jonathan. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm too. Right. Um, and you've been on the podcast, I think at least once before, um, maybe twice. I don't remember. <laughs> We've had a lot of episodes. I think it's once. I think it's once. Yeah. I think we had you on, um, about preparing for events and that was a great episode and, uh, I'm looking forward to this one. So, um, <clears throat> we're going to do some intro questions, um, in case the listeners don't remember who you are or don't follow your other ex- escapades. Um, the first thing is just, uh, how long have you been doing wargaming? Um, so that's, uh, that's a bit of a weird question for me because I <laughs> honestly don't really consider myself a wargamer. Um, I, I have dabbled. Um, when I was a teenager, I played uh, a bit of Warhammer fantasy. Um, I collected wood elves, but like collected is, is a very loose term there. I, um, I never really had the money to get into the hobby properly when I was a teenager, and I never really had the time or patience to paint them. So I basically just had some models thrown together. I think I think you, I'd struggle to get a 500 point list together, you know, that level. Um, and then when I was in my early 20s in university, I did a bit of Warhammer 40K because there was a group uh, of friends that I was with who kind of started playing 40K. Um, I did a Space Marine uh, Bikers Army, vanilla Space Marines. This was around, this was fourth edition. Uh, where you could assign wounds. So having a command squad with some Thunder Shields was pretty fun. Um, yeah, and, I those two. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, but I mean, outside of that, literally, it's it's been Warhammer Underworlds. And I, I'm not even 100% sure Warhammer Underworlds is a war game. I think it, I th- I think it definitely strays into that territory. And I think um, it has a heck of a lot in common with it. But um, I mean, for myself, I'm, I'm reasonably infamous for not painting my miniatures. Um, I'm pretty shocking at how I assemble them, um, but I, I just love—I just love the game itself, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you um, pretty much started right at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So not almost right at the beginning. Started around the time of the Skaven release in season one. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Um, all right. And what do you what what aspect of the game do you think you enjoy the most? um absolutely deck building um i spend a stupid amount of time um a proper (laughs) proper nerd amount of time sitting in front of underworld's db thinking of crazy crazy deck ideas and just i i really enjoy taking you know refining and like taking this thing and then practicing it against someone and nine times out of ten it's rubbish right nine times out of ten this (laughs) this idea you had on paper just doesn't work in reality but that one time it does work and you just see your opponent go what are you doing i don't understand that's great that makes my day um so yeah definitely deck building 
Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, is there anything uh, special that you've achieved or you're currently proud of um, as far as Underworlds goes? Um, so, I mean, I mean, the biggest the biggest single achievement is definitely winning the Grand Clash um, in. Oh, God, I should remember the month. It was October last year. I believe it was October last year. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, it, it was, was big, it, I think it's the second biggest two day Grand Clash we've had, although actually I'm not sure about the American numbers. Um, there was over 100 players. Um, it was it was mm-hmm. a really it was a really tight tournament. And honestly, I did not expect to win it. Um, that was the first. <laughs> two day one i even made top 16 so to actually win it was was fantastic um outside of that i'm really proud of how the blog does um and i'm happy um with um the podcast that me and tom have started doing chatting crit recently um that 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 comes across quite nicely yeah yeah all of that stuff is great i remember when i started um your blog was one of the things that definitely helped me get going and uh the podcast is great i would definitely recommend that as well so you guys are doing a great job, and it's it's always nice to win one of the large events. It is a little surreal, though, as, as kind of in my experience. You're like, I, I won, I guess. Okay. <laughs> it's genuinely weird. Like, so <laughs> yeah. I, I was in a bit of a daze, like, because it, it was it was especially strange because um, they had to kick us out um, yeah. because they ran out of like time they were legally allowed to have the building open on a Sunday. Like Sunday, um, like laws are fairly strict in the country. And so I basically got kicked out as I got handed the trophy. And then I looked at my phone and I had like 50 messages across different platforms. It was very surreal. Wow. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> cool. Um, let's see. The last question for the intro is um, has more to do with um, the Warband. Actually, I skipped one. Um, what are you working on as far as the game or hobby uh, goes right now? Anything interesting? So depressingly, very little. Um, <laughs> so normally, I will be working on the blog pretty much constantly. Like, as in, I will be if I'm not currently on an article, I'm thinking about what the next article is, and I'm yeah. aiming to get about one out a week. But I'm finding it really difficult, like scratching my head, to think of any content that's actually worth writing because no one's playing the game and there's no new releases. Um, I mean, even FAQs or bar list updates, sorry, far list updates are really interesting, like, you know, things for me to get my teeth into to write articles about. We're not getting them either. Don't get me wrong. It's completely understandable. I'm very happy Games Workshop are going with the lockdown, but it just leaves me going, hmm, as a content creator. Um, so, yeah, I'm not playing the game, really, and I'm not writing about it, um, which is kind of sad, to be honest. <laughs> yeah no i'm in a very very similar position there's there's no data to track really there's no uh tournaments to prepare for and it's uh that's one of the reasons we're doing this so <laughs> um just spending a lot of time in front of my uh my computer as well so when i when i finish working from home i'm like do i really want to do blog stuff or website stuff or even even play online so it's yeah. uh it's definitely been a, an interesting experience and i can't wait for it to get back to normal yeah, no, we, we've we've got such a lovely local community in Sheffield. I'm just looking forward to going back to playing with them weekly and seeing them and catching up and seeing how everyone is. Yeah, yeah, we uh, locally, we got to play once, I think the week before uh, everything started to shut down and uh, that was it. So I, just, <laughs> I haven't played in real life in a while. So I, um, uh, so I, I got to look like a proper, oh, I, I didn't do it, but I almost could have had a brilliant I told you so moment. So a week before... <laughs> Um, stuff was locked down. We were, they were organizing the general weekly thing. I was just like, hey, guys, um, 
I'm not going to do this just because I think there's a bit of a risk and I'm going to try and be safe and not, not go out to this stuff. I said it in a very reasonable way. I wasn't like being preachy. I wasn't like, hey, you guys should do this thing because it's bad. I was like, hey, this is why I'm not doing it. And then and then everyone was thinking I was being a bit over the top. And now I'm like, ah, <laughs> ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's sort of the natural response to any of this stuff. You're like, there's no way it could be real, right? <laughs> but it's uh, pretty real. Yeah. So. Um, let's see. The last thing is um, this episode obviously is about the Steelhearts champions. Um, what do you you've played them before? You've played them in grand clashes. You've played them in tournaments. Um, is there anything in particular that you like playing? Uh, you like about the Warband or? Um, yeah, there's a few things. So I I think I think what a, a fair bit of what I like about them is like kind of the place they used to have in the game um mm-hmm. i'm reminiscent of back when control was a thing in the game um sure. so it, 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 it you know in, in beastgrave control doesn't really exist or at least it's very very different to how it used to exist in shadespire um, right. and in in shadespire steel hearts were the de facto number one control warband and they kind of played this turtling well they didn't have to you know you could play them aggressively if you wanted to but generally you played this kind of turtling at the back starvation denial style against your opponent and i i really miss that playstyle. so when i think of the warband it's intrinsically tied to playing them that way for me that's that's kind of what i miss and like about them yeah i think that makes sense well let's get into it um i guess to start um if you don't mind in your words could you give us a brief description of the warband like each fighter and what you think their different roles are and things like that okay so general stats um these are all stormcast um so their base move is three uh, i know some stormcast sometimes occasionally can uh, have higher move like fast rider uh, but these are all base move three um and inspired move three uh, they've all got four health uh, sorry four wounds use the right terminology um and they've all got one block and inspire to two block defense so right away they're fairly fairly tough to kill um not horrifically tough to kill reasonably tough to kill um but they're also fairly immobile um three move and that inspired doesn't even go up to four move is is towards the bottom end of movement speed for all the mm-hmm. warbands like you know you're really talking about um chosen axes or maybe support guard for being slower um right. technically thundrix but they cheat because they can shoot from so far away um and then outside of that um they've one thing that's really nice about them is they've got two fighters who do three damage off the bat on inspired so that's severin steelheart and over in the bolt um they both hit on two smash for three damage at range one which is just is beautiful like uh, against a lot yeah. of against a lot of warbands they have quite important uh, fighters that start on three health and you've got two different goes at completely destroying them taking them out the game so for example one of the meta warbands right now grimwatch you've got two different ways to kill gristlewell early and gristlewell is your big threat um so that's lovely um and harrod having an uninspired three smash two damage attack is actually also really nice so it's the fact that she's not got three damage is a little bit of a downside but three smash uninspired off the bat is super accurate and you kind of like to have a bit of versatility in your fighters like different fighter for a different job and she's just great at killing mooks or dangle bros as they're often known um yeah yeah i think i think that that may actually be the most accurate attack from an uninspired fighter probably in the game i think um trying to think of an exception but if there is one it's maybe can maybe condemners but or condemners but i i think you're correct yeah i mean i think <laughs> i think 
I, I think there's technicalities, like, you know, if, if Drizgit gets support from his squigs, but that's kind of like cheeking. Yeah, 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 that's true, that's true. But, I mean, right off the bat, I, I mean, a lot of the time, if you need to just go in and kill somebody, she tends to be really good at it, so. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, th- three smash and, uh, or two smash and three damage on the other two, you're right, that's that's nothing to sneeze at, really. Yeah, um, what do you think about their inspire condition? I'm not a fan. Um, it, it, it's it's really strange, right? This is the type of Inspire condition that as a Steelhearts player, you don't really like it because you don't have much control over it. However, if you're playing against Steelhearts, you hate it as well because mm-hmm. you it changes how you play the game. So it, it's weirdly both good and bad. Um, so just, just to be explicit, the... Um, the expire condition is um, after you are the target of attack, if you roll a shield or a crit on the defense, you inspire. Um, and interestingly, yes, you do roll that even if your opponent misses the attack. So even if they roll no successes, you still get to roll that defense dice and see if you inspire, which is nice. Um, basically, it means you're 50-50 chance every time you get hit to inspire, as long as you wouldn't also die. Um, that, and <laughs> that That's not an irrelevant like you know um, problem, because a lot of the time people make an attack, they're doing it because they, 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 they're going to get a kill. People don't like to chip damage away too much uh, if they can avoid it. Um, yeah, and, and I would say that this Inspire Condition kind of punishes you if you do throw little attacks at them. Um, yeah. You know, like you may not want to, like if, I don't know, if you're playing Goblins or something, you might not want to just throw a random bow shot at them because they might yeah. they might Inspire. Um, things like that. Uh, I mean, I know I've definitely played with and against them where I will make an attack, you know, because maybe I need to score something um, or it seems like a waste not to do it, and then they end up Inspired. Um, one of the things, I guess one of the places that people may be playing these a lot would actually be on the online version right now. Because um, mm. I think they're actually um, pretty good right now on there. And I know that the difference between two block and one block is actually really, really big. And once they're inspired, um, they do get some interesting abilities. Like Steelheart gets his AoE attack, um, and then Bright Shield gets her. Uh, defensive attack if you do attack her and fail so mm. yeah it, it's really interesting the inspired sides because they're not generally um a hard improvement in stats right you don't get like a lot of warbands will just get more damage on the attack more movement um the only stats increase that they all get is going to two block which is very nice two block is quite solid and if your opponent doesn't have cleave um, that that's going to hurt against them. Um, but yeah, the, the the main advantage is this kind of big um, scything attack from Severin. I, has it been FAQ to be scything, or is it still technically its own thing? Um, I, I don't think it uses the keyword, but it mm. uh, effectively, I think it is the same thing. Um, and that kind of leads me into the next question is, which of these fighters do you think is your favorite, um, and why is that? That's, that's genuinely a tough one. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so weirdly, like my favorite one to play with is probably the the worst one in the warband, if that makes sense. So I, I, I actually like Ober in the Bold, like when I'm playing the best, because I feel like I can just be more aggressive with him and I'm not worried if he dies. Mm-hmm. Um, Oberyn is basically my... Um, he goes in and tries to do an important job, but it's not the end of the world if he fails at that job. Um, right. So I, I enjoy playing with him, but the key piece, the linchpin of the warband for me is generally Severin Steelheart. Um, the potential he has with that mighty swing when he's inspired is crazy. 
There are very few. In fact, he might be the only character that has a smash um, scything attack. I think he's one of the only ones. Yeah, I think um, I think so. Yeah. So if you get any sort of accuracy type upgrade on him, you can be hitting in a big AOE effect and absolutely racking in kills and glory. Um, you can kind of you can very much go for it, especially if you're doing like an aggressive type of build all your eggs in the severin basket you know so give mm-hmm. him something like tome of offerings give him a bit of extra speed with great speed to get in there give him some accuracy and just put him in the middle of a bunch of grimwatch ghouls and get all the glory yeah and if you get damage on him too then he's hitting for three with his aoe and four with his main attack and that's it's pretty terrifying as well the thing that i've always noticed playing with and against them is uh, it kind of depends on the matchup which one tends to be the most valuable like if you're playing with a horde warband, um, Bright Shield is pretty terrifying a lot of the time because she'll just get a lot of kills. Um, and then if you're playing sort of a more elite one, then Oberyn and uh, well, then Oberyn tends to be the dangerous one with uh, three damage. And then Steelheart is kind of uh, just sort of a all-around uh, attack. Um, he's <clears throat> got the great. He's got three damage on his big attack, and then he has the AOE attack. So he's he's kind of the generalist. And then, because Oberyn also gets Cleave when he inspires. So, you know, that can, with with Cleave and a couple upgrades, you know, he could just start uh, taking out almost any fighter in the game. So um, that's that's how I've always kind of looked at them. Like, if you're, depending on what you're playing, um, they each can serve a different purpose. If you're playing against them, or, you know, if you're playing with them, then uh, whatever you're against, you may want to prioritize who you put in danger and who uh you save for the upgrades so yeah i've always no, thought I think, that was I, kind of interesting i think no i think you're spot on like it, it there's no clear answer because it depends on the situation which one's best um and yeah. I, I mean for some matchups obrin is absolutely the best like if you're against an all block elite warband like mcgore's fiends then mm-hmm. obrin that cleave makes such a difference to your accuracy that he is suddenly your most useful fighter um no you're absolutely right and in general, I love the potential for a crazy beefed-up Severin, but it really depends on what <laughs> game you're playing. Yeah, I agree. Um, in general, what would you say the strengths of the Warband are? So, if we're talking um, kind of... If we're talking overall, right, with... Mm-hmm. So, are we trying to talk about this without reference to, like, just Beefgrave? Like, we're not saying, is this why you pick them now in this meta, or just in general why you pick them? Um, I guess I would just, uh, I guess maybe another way to put it is, what do you think they're good at? Um, and then when, you know, I, I mean, I guess I would say they're probably, they're they're fairly durable. Um, they hit really hard. Um, and then I would say probably their weaknesses are their low speed. Um, and, you know, they can only, you know, some, one of the limitations of being uh, a three-fighter warband is you can really only be so many places at once. Gotcha. Um, so... If you're talking like in those type of general terms, I yeah. really, I the strengths for me uh, was kind of how I played them back in the day when I did this kind of mid-range thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think so, so outside of the control Shadespire thing, because I think that that was very unique to Shadespire. I don't think that's ever really going to exist again, right? Um, the mid-range kind of style is probably the one that's going to be the best in general for them. And it's where you use some of their kind of passive end phase scoring. So... Um, Sigmar's Bulwark and Consecrated Area, those type of things, along with whatever universal objectives you can find to kind of power up and while you sit back 
and then you use high mobility cards if they exist at the time something like hidden paths if it's around to kind of jump mm-hmm. around and then kind of surgically strike at your opponents i think if you can if that if, if the cards exist to support that playstyle, that's the way to play them and that's that's the most the one you'll have the most fun with yeah i think that they are one of the warbands that can afford to draw a couple cards in the first few activations and then maybe stack some accuracy buffs or um, when they go in to make a charge, when they get that kill, they'll score a couple objective cards off of it. Um, I think surgical is a good way um, to put it. And they don't give up a lot as, you know, against aggro, you know, you're only going to give up three kills at the most. And, and a lot of the games I would say, usually they don't all die. Usually you might lose one or two. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I guess I would consider that to be their strength. And I think we've already kind of covered their weaknesses. I would say it's, you know, sort of their low speed. And um, I would say that's the main one. Um, I would say it's low speed and also, and it's a very nasty double barrel. So it's low speed, but also <laughs> they are not the best in a war of attrition against other aggro. I mean, I realize I'm yeah. comparing this to some of the best aggro, but if you go up against a Magor's Fiends player, and you line your models up and they line their models up, you're going to have to be very lucky to win that. Um, you, you, <laughs> right. They they will bash into you, you will bash into them, and generally they'll have one fighter left at the end and you won't have one. So it, it, it is quite nasty because it's that's why you have to do this kind of surgical approach. You have to kind of pick your battles as much as you can. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that I think that matchup is a great example because in that matchup they probably will trade one for one and then you know, you'll know you probably lose because they have a fighter left. Um it, I guess they in that matchup they would need to out control the aggro um, mm-hmm. aspect of it and you know either score some stuff early with some of their passive scoring and then um, kill the important fighters you know hopefully they have more upgrades at that point um, I think that's historically kind of the, the strategy there but um, I think they have a difficult time in the current meta because a lot of the scoring that uh, is taking place is sort of unavoidable. Um, if they don't have a way to stop it, then um, they're, I guess they're for probably forced to go aggro. Yes. Uh, to be fair, like into Grimwatch um, and Thorns, which are the big, you know, scary meta things right now, I think mm-hmm. they do. And I think they do OK playing aggro. Like, I, I think there you absolutely have the situation of, like like you said earlier, your opponent is very scared to kind of just make piecemeal attacks to whittle you down because you could just inspire them. You know, if, if do you want to throw a two damage attack at Steelheart? Mm-hmm knowing that if 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 he inspires now he's got this massive aoe attack you know that's that's a tough conundrum to deal with so against that i think they're all right mm-hmm. yeah i think so i think um currently their biggest issue would probably just be outscoring some of the yeah. uh, larger warbands glory ceiling but yeah um going back to um more of i guess like an evergreen um aspect of it what do you think um you know like if if the if the cards were there um, or if we were able to look back at any, uh, you know, any of the previous card pools, um, what what would you say are this warband's different like options when it comes to strategy? Um, um so you've got th- you've got three different ways you can play them, right? Um, you've got you can still try and play them the way that they were mostly played during Chase. Well, I say mostly played like mostly played at competitive events, which is the ultra turtle yeah. control style, right? Which is where you sit at the back and do some passive scoring. 
and try and like your power deck is full of disruption so you're putting like um, mischievous spirits distractions of which you have your own infraction copy which is really useful um mm-hmm. and just trying to you get your kind of unavoidable always happening glory to outscore their glory that you can disrupt uh, that's i think i think that's really difficult to pull off these days personally um yeah. with with some of the surge cards like um temporary victory existing like you're not going to stop someone scoring temporary victory and when they score it they cycle an objective and probably score as much as you're expecting to score with your entire end phase um (laughs) yeah uh, and if you want to compare to say something like lady harrows which i wouldn't say strictly control but they can work off just if if they just have two tokens which you can always guarantee two tokens right um then they will massively outscore a steelheart player but they've got even more disruption they've got like two infection distractions um so i think it's it i think it's hard to play that style it still exists and if you want to have a go for it in casual setting absolutely um mm-hmm. your your other option is you can play a full aggressive way with them right you can just go we are a bunch of tough fighters we do a lot of base damage we have you know we have decent base stats we're hard we're hard to hit and even harder when we inspire we're just going to take it take the fight to you um and i think i think that could do okay into grimwatch and ghosts like some of the most meta warbands right now i mm-hmm. i don't think it's brilliant um <laughs> and i think i think there's there's probably other options I, weirdly i think you probably do all right into like hrothgorn i imagine a hrothgorn player is going right well my main fighter dies if if you get lucky and two of your guys hit round one um yeah so i yeah so i i think they've got some some interesting game with that one um and then the yeah. third method is the kind of hybrid that i i was mentioning earlier the kind of mid-range power up and then go in style yeah i've, I've played against a few um interesting because i think that the control um build was for a while like their default um and i think they'll always have a control element to them um i've played against some local players that were trying to play them um mainly aggressive but it was it was sort of like a power up and then choose your charge um, mm. aggressive way like he would usually draw two or three cards and then his last activation would be a charge and then when he charged he would score like lightning strikes and strong start and i think advancing strike was around back then yep. um so if you're able to stack uh cards like that and if you're able to deny enemy scoring um while you wait to power up um and i think at that point there weren't as many surges that were sort of automatic scores and um, you know, that was before the surge objective holding style of play. Um, I think that that, uh, I know that it worked, uh, in the games that I played against them because, um, if, if I need to kill them to, it worked especially against aggro, because if I needed to kill them, it's hard to do. And then if they're sitting back and then charging in when they, you know, when they have spectral wings, when they have, um, all their things ready, then, uh, you know that I think that can be effective. I also think that it's pretty interesting that um, the advantage that just having three fighters gives, because you will almost always win the roll off to go first, and then I think you usually make the other person go first. Yep, hard um, agree, hard agree. Yep. So I think that's I think that's probably another one of their strengths. Um, I've also seen um, someone try to play them hold objective with uh, Swift Capture and I think it's Cleanse is their card where they hold all objectives mm. in one territory. And uh, I don't think that's very effective in best of three, but I have had it pulled off against me and it was uh, pretty infuriating. <laughs> that, that, that's fascinating. So that's that's how Tom's ended up playing his Nurgle. Um, mm. And I think there's a lot of similarities between this Warband and the Wormspat. 
Um, so yeah, no, I, I can see that being quite effective. I think you probably take maybe you take steadfast defender in there as well. So um, sometimes yeah, if probably. they miss you and you get a surge, and also you take cryptic companion. Like I, I, yeah, I think you could build a similar deck to what uh, Tom's Nurgle are actually. Because yeah, no, I, th- I think that could be a decent way of playing them. I've not tried it, but yeah, I think I think that could that could work quite well. Yeah, especially I think in metas where um, I don't know if we're there right now, but um, if there are some metas I've found where um, you know if the best things are like Grimwatch and Thorns, maybe people aren't packing as much damage, um, and you know they don't have great strength and Glory Seeker and Sting of the Urgrub, which mm-hmm. I feel like you might I feel like a lot of decks do have that much damage right now, but um, so, depending on the way the meta is going, sometimes people don't pack enough. Um, damage to kill th- four health fighters reliably. Um, and these guys also have their own uh, plus one wound card, and then you can take more wounds, and you can take more durability, and sometimes it's just hard to chew through this many fighters, um, especially if they do inspire early. So, um, Especially for some warbands. I know I've played uh, my Despoilers into Steelhearts, and that was just kind of a nightmare. <laughs> so... I, th- um, I think you've hit the nail on the head really, really well there, right? So I think Steelhearts suffer in a meta where there's a lot of sources of extra damage that people are taking. So mm-hmm. perfect example of this. Um, if you're talking about like aggressive, right? We're not we're ignoring the control version of Steelhearts back in Shadespar. Out of the box, the original box set came with Steelhearts versus Reavers, and everyone who played that matchup knew that Steelhearts just was better than Reavers. And the reason mm-hmm. for that is because Reavers wouldn't ever be able to one-shot. You'd have to hit multiple attacks in a row, which is just not actually that likely statistically, and while you're doing that, you can be inspiring the Steelhearts. However, towards the end of Shadespire, that matchup, the Reavers won it because they could take stuff like Twist the Knife and Trap, and they could stack um, their accuracy with cards like Haymaker or something. So suddenly, instead of needing to hit you twice with odds off attacks, or maybe slightly off attacks, they're suddenly going, I just need to hit you once to kill you with an odds on attack, which is Mm -hmm. massively different. So yeah, it depends on the universal cards in the meta. If there's those free damage, like Twist the Knife, Traps, um, Pit Trap, those type of things, then Steelhearts are going to suffer a bit. Yeah, and I think that was one of the things that made the Skaven deck at the end of Shadespire that John Reese was playing. I think that's one of the things that made that so effective mm-hmm. was that Scritch was really good at you know hitting for four damage, and he had a cleave if he crits, and he just may not even let them inspire and you know ready for action and things like that. So I think that's I think that is one of their weaknesses is just getting one shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, if, if we end up, like, say, in Season 5 of the game and those cards don't <laughs> exist, it might be worth looking back at these guys, though. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, with the, with yeah. the way the cards cycle, like, I, I don't I don't think it's... Uh, I think it would be a mistake to forget about uh, some of these older warbands in, you know, every situation. So I think it's all, also always possible that uh, the meta could adjust and some of these things could come back. So mm. that's, that's part of the reason for this. And then, you know, sometimes people just want to play the old thing, so... Um, I think it's uh, cool to think about ways to do that. Yeah. Um, the next thing that I have here is what do, what would you say are some of the uh, faction cards that would be your favorite? I think we've talked about some of them already, but. So I I love consecrated area. I, you know I'm going to lean into what controls stuff, right? Um, yeah. Consecrated, consecrated area is like. It's, it's just even in an aggressive deck actually genuinely i would put this in an aggressive deck right um yeah. it's just what is one glory end phase score this if there are no i, I might be paraphrasing this um no enemy fighters adjacent to friendly fighters 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and even if you're an aggressive deck, generally you don't end up with fighters next to each other. Either you've killed the fighter that you charged or you've pushed them away. Um, you don't yep. like to stand next to each other because then you, if your opponent goes first, they get a free attack without a charge. Uh, so this is just an incredibly reliable one glory end phase. And I, I, I say again, like this is fine for aggro because if I'm building an aggro deck in Beastgrave, I'm struggling to fill my end phase cards. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I love this. And the fact that it also is absolutely like free if you're playing at the back basically it's free no matter how you're playing if you draw this in a game you're scoring it essentially yeah yeah pretty much um i i think that is one of the good ones i think um and then it's it's made even better by the fact that they have their own uh version of distraction in peel of thunder um Mm -hmm. and i would say you'd almost always double up on that if not triple up now (laughs) so straight up peel of thunder would be in my top five i'm not all I'm not sure exactly what number I'd give it, though. So is, yeah. is it okay if I just say, like, the next four, but say I'm not sure of the exact rank? <laughs> yeah, that's fine. So, so much of this is situational anyway. So having an infaction distraction is an incredibly powerful tool. Distra- I, everyone's kind of starting to realize, like, just how nuts distraction is. Even It was a staple of the game for so long, but because it was a staple, people kind of underestimated it. Um, yeah. And then when we had, like, a lot of Beast Grave without it, um people kind of got used to it without it and we had it in the gift pack and suddenly people put it back in the actually why have every deck should have this card it's <laughs> everything like I, I think i in one of my like rev, i think i think in my like review thing where i review neutral cards i think i even gave distraction like a five or something ridiculous um no I, that's it i think i gave distraction a four but then when nightmare in the shadows came out the kind of clone, <laughs> i was like you know what i'm changing my mind it's these cards are a five because yeah i i think i think you have to have an insanely good reason to not pack two of them in your deck right and one of the biggest chances i've mentioned lady harris one of the biggest things that makes them amazing is they could take like four of these effects so strong um, <laughs> yeah it, it's it's just such a flexible card because it's good in the aggro matchup it's good in the objective it's obviously good against the objectives but i mean a lot of the time it'll get you a free attack action if you push somebody next to you it'll get somebody off of an objective you can push them into a lethal hex like there's there's almost no scenario where you are sad that you have it in your hand mm-hmm. it, uh, it can deny or give you a free charge um yeah. it can and now we've got placing lethal hexes it's often very much an a, a free one damage ping card if you want to use it that way yeah yeah, I agree. I think it's. Uh, I, I think that any warband that has um, their own version of it, uh, like I think that's a big buff. Like I think we've seen um, Molog and uh, the Skaven and the Skeletons. They've all gotten a version of it, and it's sort of just an auto include. And then now it's a question of do I take three <laughs> or four if I'm Lady Arrows? But um, I think two is probably like the sweet spot. Um, but mm. Uh, it is interesting to try to fit more in there. I think I do think yeah that's so that's that's the thing like so this is uh, normally I would rate Pillar of Thunder as second straight up. This is why yeah. it's like awkward for me because I think when you've got <laughs> two of them you auto take two but when you've got three as an option as we, you would right now if you were building in Beastgrave then it's yeah. a bit more of a head scratcher because you really are starting to sacrifice other effects to take that many copies of distraction. So yeah. This goes up in value the less other copies of Distraction there are in the game. You know, the less universal versions of them. Um, and a bit, a bit down in value the more uh, the more there are. So right now it's probably like four or fifth in my pick order. 
Yeah, I think that makes sense. Because uh, um, you, you could just take uh, another effect that's very similar. But in future seasons, when you know perhaps we won't have uh, as many versions of this card, um, it'll be nice that they always have it. Um, yeah. And at the beginning of Beast Grave, when we didn't have any distraction at all, and Nightmare in the Shadows wasn't out yet, um, I know that uh, I was playing some skeletons, and for them to have their own version, and for Skaven to have their own version, I, I found that to be like great. Um, so I, I think it's imp- I think it's important that they have it. Um, yeah. What uh, What do you think are some other cards that you like? Uh, Tireless Assault is lovely. Yeah. Um, so yeah. it's so nice to have a do over if your attack misses card, especially on a warband where your big hitters are two smash. I, two smash isn't super inaccurate, but it's it's often a 50-50 roll. And right. if your 50 roll gets backed up by another 50-50 roll, then that's pretty pretty damn reliable. Um, especially because the versatility of tile assault means you only have to use it if the attack fails. You know, if the attack succeeds, it's still sitting in your hand waiting for that one that doesn't go right. Yeah, because it's a reaction, you you only need to use it when you need it. So, yeah, I think it's one of the better one of the better accuracy cards in the game, and it, it's just one of those cards that if your warband has it, then um, like it's a it's a bit, usually an auto include, and it's a big uh, big power spike. Yeah. Um, I think one of my one of the ones I find interesting is um, they have their own version of plus one wounds, um, which particularly in the current uh, version when uh, Tome of Vitality is restricted, and uh, so is Sudden Growth. Um, I think it's just good to have it. Like it's it's a good card, and now they can take two for free. You know. Yeah. No, absolutely agree. Plus one wounds is it, it's a type of mundane effect you look at and go, that's not really good. But the more you play the game, the more you realize actually those mundane effects are what wins your game. And we've just talked about how good distraction is, right? It's not a very flashy, very shiny <laughs> yeah. effect, but that is the type of thing that wins games. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think um, the, probably the other one that I like is lightning strikes, which is just kill somebody with a charge. Like it's it's simple. Um, you can sort of rely on it, and uh, you know you have usually you have the cards to uh, to go get it. I guess one one thing to note is that if you use tireless assault, <laughs> then it's not a charge anymore. But uh, um, I think that's probably their other useful one in my Actually, opinion. Actually, that's that's a big point with tireless. Assault. It's quite easy to forget that the reaction is a is technically a whole new action. And it, yeah, it, yeah. You know, but, people get caught out by that but yeah no i i I think you're right that is an absolutely amazing surge um surge objective and it's so nice that they have that kind of really good aggro bit in them you know yeah yeah so i I think if you're playing this warband or you you know see it across the table i think that you can assume that the other person probably has most of those cards and um you know if you're building a deck I, i would be surprised if you didn't include most of those as well so yeah I think it's good that we covered those. Um, as far as universals go, um, what kind of universal sorry, can cards? I just, sorry, can I just give an honorable mention? There was one sure, other card yeah. I really liked for them. There's an upgrade. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is this is the troll in me that loves this. There's an upgrade for Angharad Bright Shield. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. It's a, it's a replacement attack action. It replaces her normal profile. Um, it's one range, three smash, two damage. And you're thinking, hold on, that's the same attack action. <laughs> Wait yeah. a minute. There's a reaction. After this attack action, if it failed and the target was an enemy leader, make this attack action again. <laughs> Essentially, what that's saying is if you're attacking an enemy leader and they don't have a reaction that blocks this reaction, you will yep. always hit them. <laughs> yeah, which is which is one of the funnier FAQ answers, I think. Like, I, I, I'm always curious, like, is that how they intended this card to work? 
or yeah. <laughs> or what, you know, but that's clearly how it works. Yeah. Um, if, if Bright Shield has it and she attacks a leader, then they're going to get hit. Yeah. <laughs> I guess unless you tied and then pushed them back. Oh, no, that's up to you. That's still a fail, a tie. Yeah, but then they'd be out of range. Oh, I see what you mean. So, yes, you could choose to yeah, push yeah, them back yeah. and then, then. But you just yeah, wouldn't. No, you're right. Yeah, you're right. That, that's, that is technically a way out of it. I hadn't thought of that yet. Yeah. The couple times I've seen this card in play, if they missed the first time, I think we just said, like, do you want to just not roll anymore and we'll just count it? <laughs> you're going to get it eventually. Yeah. So. Um, I think I just think that's a really funny card. I I could see people taking that one as well. Um, once she gets upgraded, you know, you put great strength on her or something, then that that isn't bad. Uh, it depends on the meta, I think. Like, you know, how good are leaders right now? So it's it's very niche. Um, yeah. I so, hold on. This is I've just thought of an actual amusing use for it. This is. Te- <laughs> um, I believe you could take this in Arena Mortis. Oh, and yeah. I think your opponents opponents fighters count as leaders. It's been a long time since I've read those rules. <laughs> I don't know if they count as leaders, um, but I would imagine most people would like take leaders in it. You know, that'd be so. That is so funny. So that like, that would be. That's it. I don't need any accuracy cards. I can... <laughs> and then, yeah. But then you go up against the one guy who's got the bat squig as their fighter. <laughs> right. Right. Well, you're still three <laughs> smash, so that's Hopefully true. It's, it's enough, not bad. But... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That'd be that'd be interesting. You could probably make some like nightmare scenarios where she's just one shotting everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, were there any other faction cards you wanted to point out? That's all good. Sorry, yeah, I'm happy to go into universal stuff now. No, that's fine. Um, so I guess that was the question though. Is what? Um, I guess I guess really my question is, uh, if you're wanting to play this warband, sort of regardless of what the meta is, what kind of universal cards are you looking for? So my two favorite universal cards for them actually don't exist in the Beatsgrave meta. Uh, they're from Shadespire. Um, mm-hmm. It's Hidden Paths and Illusory Fighter. Um, yeah, so yeah. We've, we've spoken about how one of the biggest weaknesses is mobility. Um, and what Illusory Fighter and Hidden Paths both do is they basically say, we, we don't care about what the movement stat printed on your card is. Here's a way of situationally just moving around or teleporting to where pretty much wherever you want on the battlefield. Um and that is so good for these guys. So suddenly your opponent like can go, you know, all my guys at the back here are safe. I'm racking up the glory. This is good. Next moment, Severin goes surprise and just one shots like half his warband. Um, <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I think if you if in future I have I, I don't know if they're ever going to include these effects again. Right. Because um, sure. I do. I the reason they were very, very strong in Shadespire. And it might be that um, we just they never print them again. But if you do see effects like that, teleport fighters like that, then mm-hmm. I definitely would put them in. As as a, as a lesser version of that, Fameway Crystal is probably decent. If you if you do put three distraction cards in your deck, then Fameway Crystal is pretty reliable. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, and I would say just uh, even if they don't make cards that are, uh, I guess, exactly the same as those. Um, the big thing that you're looking for is some kind of way to boost that mobility mm. uh, to make it you're trying to suddenly go from, you know, not chargeable to chargeable or, um, you know, they think they're safe and then suddenly they're not. Um, I think Commanding Stride is, you know, a, a current card that's pretty good for them. Solid um, shout. Yeah, it's like a mini teleport. It's like more like a little blink. Yeah. Yeah. So anything like that, I think that I mean, I, I guess what we're talking about is sort of shoring up their one of their weaknesses that we pointed out. Mm. Um, 
So I think that makes sense. Um, are there any particular kind of objective cards that uh, you would be looking for? Um, so I there's actually one just just been released in the last set of expansions. Um, oh God. I, this is really bad. I've forgotten what it's called because uh, it's because I haven't actually played much with the expansions. It's um it's the one where it's one glory end phase. If you've taken an activation with or oh. taken action with each of the fighters, team, team effort, I think yeah. that's the one. Team effort. I mm -hmm. think that's really good. Those type of effects are so nice for a three-fighter warband because you can still draw a card if you want, um, and it's even better in round one where they you force your opponent to go first. So you know they've mm -hmm. had to do something. You've drawn a card, so they've ended up taking like a whole half of their turn before you start doing any action. So you've got all this kind of leeway in what actions you take. You can literally just move around at the back if you want to still score this. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. And uh, I know that some of the cards that you used previously with them have been things like Alone in the Darkness, mm -hmm. um, Escalation, Master of War, um, Skirting Danger, which were basically all um, achievable end phase cards. Um that were reliable and it's it seems like um the interesting thing about steel hearts to me is i i think they actually um might be the best in an aggro uh meta when they can rely on end phase cards to get going um and then decide the engagement um, yeah so i i think that those are probably the cards that you're looking for there um as far as gambits and upgrades go, um, it seems like teleports, pushes, and then durability um, may be the way to go. Mm. I think I'd also probably put in a bit of accuracy if possible. Like something mm. like Haymaker. Haymaker is very risky because the downside is very big. Like if you play this in activation one of a round, um, mm. then you've suddenly lost your one or two block defense, which is horrible. But Oftentimes, especially if you if you do have the cards to support that kind of surgical play where you pick the engagement, then you do it in activation four and the downside kind of doesn't exist. Um, and plus two dice is nuts. Like plus two dice really, yeah. really increases your odds of hitting that attack. Yeah, and I think that one of the ways that these, because of how they play with, um, you know, they may be stacking um, surge objectives like strong start and mm -hmm. things like that. Um, I think that, accuracy is very very important with them and they have great stats in general but you know if you're charging in and it's going to be risky then you really want that attack to go through so so i agree i think those are uh good cards portion of rage is another one that's just kind of classic really good for everybody but um if there were any kind of rerolls or plus one dice anything like that i'm, I'm sure they would want to take that as well yep good old awaken weapon yeah 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 um let's see uh, moving on to i guess matchups what do you think uh are some of their preferred matchups um so it's it, it, it I, at this point i just have to talk about the beast grave matter because it's <laughs> sure, obviously yeah. going it's obviously going to change a lot based on universal stuff um and honestly like not many um like this, i've got yeah. it's, it's good to be realistic about stuff like i don't i don't want to give like a new player the impression that if they pick these people up they're going to go and have a really good time with them this is this is a challenge to play um i i think if you want looking for a good matchup i think the idea that you said earlier of playing them kind of in that kind of um, just take one objective in your opponent's territory. The, the kind of way. Um, so Tom's written an article recently on the Wormspout on our blog. I say recently, last month. Um, <laughs> I think if you play them in that style, they can do decently uh, into probably most things except for other hard aggro. 
Um, so you're probably fine into uh, fine into Grimwatch and Thorns. I, I say fine, like I don't think it's going to be brilliant, <laughs> but they're probably your better matchups because you have such an easy time killing most of their fights, and they have such a tough time killing yours. Um, mm. I think I think you're actually going to have more of a problem against stuff like the Wild Hunt because yes, they've got low damage, but they'll blow the horn to make their attack really accurate. And then they'll just use um, stuff like Pit Trap or um, one of the other million, like Lethal lethal Ward or one of the other million ping damage cards to make that single attack be a guaranteed kill or an actual lethal hex, you know? So yeah. a lot of the a lot of the aggro, I think, and also because they've got high mobility, they pick the fight. Like you mm-hmm. can't just go, I deploy at the front and then I charge your leader and go for him. They'll put their leader at the back as Scathe. Um, and if you deploy at the back, they go, well, that's fine. I deploy at the front and I still reach you. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think you're probably better into the big meta um, Grimwatch and Thorn type stuff. Um, it's still going to be very, very tricky though. <laughs> yeah, maybe you would have the pushes and the um, disruption tech like uh, Restless Prize or Mischievous Spirits to try to stall them long enough to start getting those kills in. Mm, absolutely and um, if you do that. get severin inspired then he's going to go to town on them yeah I, I, one of the things we kind of passed over i think um when we were talking about cards is i think that the new um version of guard in beast grave is actually um very beneficial for them um mm. if they have a way to go on guard with survival instincts or uh, something like that um they do suddenly get a lot harder to kill if you can't push them into a pit trap or a snare or lethal hex something like that um and the cool thing about guard i think in Grave is if you have a lot of health it usually means you can start taking a lot more hits um and if you're blocking an objective or something then you're not going to get pushed off so um i would probably i would probably take at least one or two guard cards i think they actually may have a card that puts somebody on guard they've got um an upgrade for angharad where she can like put all the adjacent fights on guard as an action which is oh yeah yeah really clunky um (laughs) yeah it's it's cool right um there's even um a surge uh i can't remember what it's called but there's a surge one for all your fighters being on guard um Mm, so that synergizes quite well but it's still even then it's really clunky (laughs) like you don't generally yeah. have all your fighters in a line and the time to just draw the perfect upgrade for the surge that you need and then take an action like that is a on paper kind of perfect moment and an actually in reality never come up moment yeah yeah i agree um as far as um board setup um how do you think about boards when you're playing this warband um so um i mean my classic is i i pretty much always pick a board where i can deploy at the back so if my opponent gets the selection of boards i'm picking one where i can put my three at the back no matter which way they orientate it um but if i get a selection of boards then i'm thinking probably something like molten shard pit where i can just full offset and make the hell corridor in between the two of us um, <laughs> yeah. again though that's that against an objective warband like grim watch of thorns you probably can't do that against objective warbands you just have to go in you can't um you can't play the standing back game because i'll just outscore you so you, you have to fight um at which point you you try and you try you try and deploy up front and you, you kind of be a bit more canny with the objective placement game that's kind of where you can disrupt them um if you do what mm-hmm. you were saying of like just controlling one in their territory um then you can use that to block one of their safe spots so they might have four objectives in their territory but they're a lot harder to get to that's the kind of tricks you want to do with deploying there yeah yeah i think so i think that makes sense um 
because currently you wouldn't want to give uh, Thorns or Grimwatch three objectives, and um, you probably you're probably right. You probably do have to fight. Um, mm. And then I think if in matchups where the enemy needs to fight more than you do, then you probably diagonal board or maybe long board um, mm-hmm. and things like that. So but pretty classic, I think. I think these guys are um, tend to play very very control um, normally, and then they're going to try to out control aggro and then out aggro the objectives. So. Um, pretty standard i think and uh it's some of the stuff that you guys went over in um your podcast with, about the control archetype in general i think uh, uh is pretty informative there so um, we try yeah yeah that's a great episode anybody uh should listen to it so um let's see let's go to the next one um what would you say are some things to keep in mind while you play this warband are there any like uh, maybe you're playing it for the first time or something like that. What would you recommend people keep in mind? Um, so I think probably, I think probably with as with every warband, one of the things to do is to kind of try and when you're when you're learning them, try and push them to the limits. So don't necessarily start by trying to play a perfect game. Start by try. You know what? Try and make a super aggressive deck, right? Make a. This has got haymaker. This has got potion rage. This has got damage. Don't even put distractions in. Just go yolo it. Just go full full aggro, right? Spectral wings, everything. And then, then once you've kind of got a few of those games under your belt, you'll get a really good feel for how the fighters match up against enemy fighters. Like you'll get a good feel for just how much you can kind of push that block defense. Maybe for inspire two block, you know. Um, and mm-hmm. then you can then you can dial it back and start doing the kind of more conservative strategy. Um, I especially would say to do it this way because the more conservative one, where you kind of power up, um, as I was saying, or maybe you do that worm spat thing where you just control you know one to- uh, token in their half. That's mm-hmm. a much more tricky game, and I don't think you should start playing like that. You you can kind of start leaning into it after you've got a few games on your back and you know how the fighters work. Um, kind of maybe start putting in the odd card here or there that goes into that play style as you as you move away from pure aggro. I think that's how that's how I'd approach it. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. I um, don't know if I've thought about it like that before. I think um, just sort of playing to in order to get a feel for the fighters of a warband, um, and then sort of focusing on the intricacies later. Um, I think that does sound like a good way to start learning. So I like that. Um, let's see we've already kind of talked about this um a little bit the last question is just how would you play them in the current meta um Mm -hmm. and i think we've basically established that you probably have to go aggro because if you leave um most other warbands alone they'll probably outscore you yep no absolutely i i I think we've also established that you actually had the correct answer in that play them a bit like how tom plays nurgle (laughs) um and that's 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 i mean to be fair right that's just a thought that i've heard you saying i'm not really actually built a deck like that but just just thinking about the cards they've got and the way their fighters work it's probably the best way to play them um and then you switch it up into ultra aggro against objectives yeah i, th- I think i think that's how you play them these days yeah they are i mean uh, they're very similar to nurgle um they may have about the same number of uh, good cards <laughs> oh um. <laughs> I, I, yeah I, I mean hey everyone who's uh, uh upset about uh, nurgle's like look at look at listen look at poor steelhearts yeah yeah they're a little bit different i mean i think these guys hit a little bit harder right off the bat which is interesting Mm -hmm. um they um 
that that, that actual matchup might be interesting as well. <laughs> um, it would be really weird because it it'll be like it'll be like I don't know if anyone else here plays League of Legends, but it'll be like uh, back in the tank meta where you get like top lane Malphite <laughs> versus top lane Nunu just bouncing off each other, doing absolutely no damage, often known as a wet noodle fight. <laughs> yeah, I know what you I know what you mean. <laughs> that is funny. Um, yeah, cool. I think um, I think that pretty much wraps it up for Steelhearts. Um, I would say that if anybody wants to try them uh, in the current Beastgrave meta, um, get ready for a challenge. But it, uh, you know, I think sometimes a challenge is fun. So, and uh, you might have some time to kill <laughs> with all this Corona stuff. So. Um, and, uh, you know, in the future, I think that if, uh, aggro ever gets good and, um, you know, we have end phase cards for, uh, you know, that are sort of control oriented, then, uh, these guys might be worth pulling out again. So that's, mm-hmm. that's cool. Um, for the, uh, last bit, we have some rapid fire questions we want to ask you and, uh, the other guests that we have for this series. Um, what is your favorite fighter in the game, Mike? I mean, it's kind of cheating, but it is Moloch. <laughs> like, this is genuinely my answer. I'm not just saying this is a technicality because he's the strongest fighter. Like, I absolutely love the big troll. <laughs> and this is the second question may may be have the exact same answer, but what is your favorite warband to play? And what uh, do you think it says about you as a person? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is Moloch's mob, and it's I, I'm basically a troll. Like, <laughs> I like... I. I I am literally that guy that people say, well, people accuse of being a whack player who just enjoys like reveling in the tears of his opponents. Um, yeah. that, that's obviously an exaggeration. I like people to have a good time. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely enjoy coming up with crazy busted strategies that um, at least frustrate my opponents. Or the best, but the best situation is if they go, what the hell? And then they get excited as well. Um, but yeah. I'll settle for their tears. I'll settle for their tears. <laughs> Yeah, makes sense. Um, the next question is, if you can bring back any card from Season 1 into the current format, what would it be? Great Concussion. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to veto I, I, that one now. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, obviously, I mean, that, that is, again, both technically the correct answer, because I will fight anyone who thinks that that isn't the strongest <laughs> card ever made. And it's would also... You, would you, you know, want it, might it to be, come back? I, the only reason like if, if i was to make an actual legitimate argument for it the only reason is a control is kind of dead right now yeah um but i mean this is this is this this card is so powerful it's not just control right this is everyone took great concussion but yeah. b the more important thing is it really messes up hold objective play um yeah. unfortunately i don't this this is going to sound i don't think great concussion would make enough of a difference to the current matter <laughs> that's what i think of the current matter that's funny yeah yeah no it, it would it would definitely uh throw a wrench into the, the mix a little bit but yeah. uh that's a good what answer. you do is you, you 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 set up against a thorns player you have great concussion in your hand and think great and then they press the var club button and score a temporary victory and you go all right great <laughs> <laughs> yeah um is there a fighter that is your least favorite uh least favorite i mean there's a lot of fighters that are kind of rubbish but i suppose we're thinking about <laughs> mechanics that i dislike i suppose is where that's going um snark is kind of frustrating um because he just kind of follow the general rules of the game but on the other hand i do like some of the nuances with him i like the hilarity of not inspiring him and going with like a haymaker attack and doing three damage you know i love some of the silly things you can do isn't <laughs> it? and the fact that his inspire is a reaction that blocks all sort of stuff is kind of neat but also at the same time really frustrating for new players um yeah, hmm. yeah. I, think, I think that's I think, a good answer 
Yeah, I think I'll go with Snug. Cool. Um, What Warband would you like to see in the future? And this can be like from a faction or like, is there a mechanic you'd want to see or model count, anything like that? What I uh, have. I have thought far too hard about this. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this to you privately, but I would love for them to bring out the Hero Quest fighters as a warband. Um, so we get mm. the dwarf, the barbarian, the elf, and the wizard, and I just that would be such a cool throwback to um, yeah. old school Dave Watchers, and it would fit like those four fighters could could re- you know you could you could even theme it as a free cities thing and almost mm-hmm. do it with just those characters and make it like a nod to Hero Quest. It doesn't have to be like officially, or maybe even if they went all out and did like some sort of um, supplement where they had some sort of official single player um or co- you know not, not single player but um cooperative mode for Shadespire and it came with this warband i just think that'd be so fun yeah i think that would be a great idea um let's see the next question is if you could change one thing uh, about a current warband or card or maybe a game rule um what would it be Ooh. um how Ooh. okay so i'm not sure i've entirely thought this through <laughs> but I'm going to say this. This is rapid fire, right? This is hot. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to reverse the errata to make relics cost two glory. Oh, yeah. Okay. Very nice. Yeah. That would be interesting right now, too. Like, there's so many things that were bu- were busted in season one or two that, like, <laughs> would be really interesting right actually, now. You know what? You know what? No. I, actually, no. I do think that is too much. I have a I have a I have a I have a better one which I think is more reasonable. I would so they still cost you glory, but I think uh, stuff like spoils of battle still cheat them out for for free. That would be how yeah. I do it. That cool. would be the way to make them still exist in the game. Oh, obviously, obviously they have to still be exist as well. You know, those yeah. shape black cards. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, all right. Well, I think that is everything um, that I have. Um, do you want to say where people can find you if they want to hear more of you or anything like that? I think we mentioned it initially, but. Uh, um. So. I run a blog, uh, SteelCityUnderworlds.com. Um, there's, I have a bunch of co-authors who uh, uh, contribute from time to time. Most, most famous of which is Tom, who's also been on. Sh- Actually, has he been on yours? We haven't had Tom on yet, but I think we'll oh. try to get him on for this series. Yeah. Awesome. That'd be cool. Um, Very so, yeah. And I also, with Tom, run a podcast, which we're four episodes deep into now, which is called Chatting Crit. Um, so the blog is basically about all topics to do with Warhammer Underworlds. Normally, it's regularly updated. Obviously, right now, I'm just like i said i'm struggling <laughs> to find content um the podcast yeah. is very specifically a kind of ha- a guide on how to win a grand clash it's like a, a sp- specific series thing so we're going to do six episodes for this series and then we'll probably do a season two at some point with like a different kind of spread of stuff cool yeah and we, in fact for the first episode of that podcast we got your co-host we had a man on yeah yeah i've enjoyed uh, every episode of it so far i like how um you guys plan it out and uh tom does a great job sort of hosting the way through it so um definitely recommend that i i I assume a lot of people that listen to this listen to that too but if if for some reason they've missed out on that uh go go over there and listen to it (laughs) you have nothing but time (laughs) right now (laughs) so tom keeps getting frustrated because the episodes get longer and he's like mike this isn't good for views because last episode was over two hours (laughs) and i'm secretly like we could break three hours we could do this i I think we've done that a couple times i think you just have to give up on the the time limit thing you know Mm. that's that's what we did (laughs) we're trying to keep these to about an hour so um that's and that's that's short for us so (laughs) no no judgment there um cool was there anything else you wanted to talk about or add before we go i just 
I think this podcast is really good. I, I, I very much enjoyed the first episode with Jimmy. Um, I, I, it's just nice to hear Jimmy talk about stuff. He, I definitely consider him one of the top players of the game. Um, yeah. And it, it, it's, it's weirdly a shame that I'm kind of like, I get to know you and a man and Jimmy and some of the other guys in America who are such good players, but I don't get to actually play you guys at all. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Hey, maybe Nova will happen and we'll get to play each other. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah well eventually we're going to make the trip one way or the other and uh we'll get to play so um definitely looking forward to that and uh i also think it was actually really cool to be able to it's one, one of the fun things about this series that Amon and i are doing um where i think for the most part we're going to be interviewing people by ourselves is that then i get to listen to the Amon and guest podcast <laughs> and he gets to listen to me so it's it's funny to be looking forward to my own podcast <laughs> so, so you're creating content for yourselves yeah yeah we really hey. are so it's a it's a sort of a weird perk of it but it's uh it's fun too and i, I we may do a couple of them uh, ourselves as well so um look forward to that and uh i think that's it well thank you so much for um being a guest for this steelheart episode no problem thanks for having me yeah great um all right everyone that is it for this episode if you have any feedback questions or comments let us know on facebook at path to glory podcast you can also follow us on podbean where you can find the show notes for all the episodes rate us on itunes thanks for listening and we wish you the best of luck on your path to glory i think we were good for time there weren't we (laughs) 